0: I'm Julie Roth, and this is LA Woman. It's a show about women in LA, building big things and cultivating successful lives for themselves. LA is without question, one of the world's major cultural hubs and trendsetters. And every woman here has a story to tell. Listen in as we go behind the scenes one-on-one with dynamic, inspiring females who are changing the game and changing their industries share their successes, examine their challenges, and heed their advice as we navigate our careers together, one sunny day at a time. For today's special episode, we went back and spoke with three of our favorite guests to discuss how COVID-19 has changed their lives and industries over the past few months. You'll be hearing from Colleen Wolf, NFL reporter, host, and podcaster, Dr. Sherika Miller, registered nurse, professor, and entrepreneur, and Adina Rader, jewelry designer and entrepreneur. Three outstanding LA women living different experiences with different perspectives. But I think you'll find one theme runs through all of these incredible people. Never, ever giving up. First up, here's Colleen Wolf, host of Thursday Night Football and Good Morning Football Weekend. I have Colleen Wolf back with me. I'm so happy to have you again. Yeah. Uh, So we're here today to talk a little bit about how the broadcasting industry has been affected, how uh, football has been affected. I know we're in off season, but um, I have several questions for you, Miss Colleen. Um, So thanks for being here. A big obvious question. How has your work life changed?
1: Um... In every way possible. It's, it's kind of crazy because it when everything sort of went down, they, um work was like, how would you feel if we put a camera at your house? And I'm like, sure, no, no problem. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say no. And also, that sounds pretty convenient. I don't have to go anywhere. And I really didn't want to go in the office um, because, like, I have asthma and I was really worried about that and I still am. Uh, so they put a camera here and I've been doing shows from my two bedroom apartment and it's kind of been insane because we've had to troubleshoot and figure out so many different ways. We've had a zillion different workflows and we've been pre-taping things like so many different ways and just like pretending, trying to like make it work. And i have you know, I'm doing interviews and I don't see anything, sometimes I don't hear anything and it's like sort of, I feel like I'm going back to when I almost first started, like when we first started doing everything from home, the way that it was built, it almost felt like I had just started in broadcasting again because it was just like so like foundational level stuff that we were just trying to like make it work. And it's been, I feel like, an Olympic training uh, in broadcasting, just doing these shows from home. It's, it's, been, it's been a lot. I feel like I've been able to grow, but it's been super challenging.
0: Yeah. I was actually going to ask as well, what has this meant for um, production teams and people behind the camera?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been, it's been really hard because everyone is doing it from home. And so we have our producers that, you know, have these like makeshift control rooms when we were doing the, the draft and the schedule release. But now, um, as of last week, our directors are back in the studio. So they have one director per control room so they're using like every single space that they can to make sure that like it's just one person per room which is really interesting so i was talking to one of the directors yesterday about it and she was saying that it's it was really hard to do everything from home and she's actually really happy to be back in the building because it's just so much easier even though it is really eerie because nobody's there and she's just kind of like chilling by herself but it feels like we're in like just very small little baby steps. Um, We're able to kind of figure things out and improve the way that we're, we're doing production right now. But it's been, it's been a long road.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, that brings up a good point. It's like when you have the whole production team there or even just one, one more person there, I'm sure it adds to the energy and the excitement.
1: Yeah. I, I that's, I'm someone who feeds off of the people around me. And so when we were doing Thursday Night Football, which seems like years ago now. I mean, you're talking like a giant stadium with a ton of fans and you're walking through crowds and you're in a different airport and a different city every week. And it's, it's something that I really fed off of that energy and that buzz. And it's very different to be doing it from my guest bedroom that now is just like, a dumping ground of production equipment and everything that we like had no room for and so it's all in that room and you know my like my neighbors were yelling at me one day to be quiet and i'm like i had to like shut the windows and like we don't have air conditioning and i'm like i have fans all over
2: the place (laughs) and it's just like
1: we were doing it at one point we were like pre-taping the show really early, we, we were doing it at like eight o'clock in the morning. Um, so then like the editors and stuff would have time to turn around pieces. And you know, it, it was just so like, everything was was so step by step, like it just took forever to do everything. And so we were, we were just like doing stuff so early in the morning and I was like, I can't believe my neighbors are yelling at me to be quiet right now. While I'm trying to do the show and I have everybody that's like, you know, you just like seem a little low energy right now. Can I get a little bit more? And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to die. What?
2: <laughs> listen
1: Bye.
0: guys, I'll get you like an autograph ball. Can you just please <laughs> let me do the show?
1: but yeah it's it's been it's great because I only have to wear like a nice shirt on top and then I have like shorts and like you know flip-flops or whatever on and like I only do the front part of my hair and like the sides I don't even bother with the back and so I have like straight bed head in the back on usual days but like full makeup
0: (laughs) so yes I just ran my curling iron through like two pieces of hair just now It looks great. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. This is the outfit I walk my dog
1: in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, everything is very different.
0: I actually am wondering how that's going to go, especially for females. I mean, I know there are certain guys who like take a long time to get ready, but getting back into that routine again is going to be an adjustment. I, I.
1: I went in my, like I was looking in my closet the other day and I saw a bunch of heels and they were just like mocking me. They were like, soon, we're coming back for you soon. And I was like, no, (laughs) I mean, I haven't even put on a pair of jeans since probably the beginning of March
0: and it's May. (laughs) I jeans on purpose because like, there's something about it that makes me feel like, I I wear jeans a lot to work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm at work now. Really? Yeah. I have done comfortable ones, but I have, I have worn jeans. I'll wear jeans like a couple times a week.
1: Wow. That's amazing.
0: I mean, I don't know. There's just something about taking a shower and putting on jeans where I'm like, all right. I know.
1: So when I, before they put the home cam in the house and before I was doing like a, a bunch of shows a week. I got to the point where I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like throw a little makeup on today. Just, just because. And, and now that I like have to put on makeup for the shows, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that anymore on my off
0: You are so good at your makeup. It's, it's insane. Thanks. I really I, like doing it. It's fun. You're so good at it. I would actually encourage a video. Ooh, a tutorial. <laughs> I would love that. <gasps> maybe I will. When we did our first recording, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> I swear. Listen,
1: it's, uh, and I have it down to a science, so I can, like, get it done really quick. And I'm, yeah, I don't, like, paint or anything anymore, so it's the closest thing that I have to yeah, doing a little artwork here and there.
0: I mean, why not?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, So I was actually going to ask, um, You did this draft special, the women in football draft special. So it seems like there's a lot of um, different kind of creativity. You are, you and your colleagues are drumming up. How did that come about?
1: Dude, Cynthia Freeland is a rock star. Like I, I can't even begin to explain how amazing she is. She's so smart. She's so talented. And she literally threw that together. Like she Texted me a couple days before like maybe the week before the draft and was like, hey, I have an idea I want to run it by you and she called me and it was like the idea was the draft special and she was like, but I've never really like hosted or produced before and Here's what I'm thinking and she was just like Rattling off this like full rundown and all of these guests that she wanted to get and I was like this is a huge undertaking like I I will help you any way I can but like just just know that that this is going to be a lot and she's like no you know I got it and so then like a couple days before she like contacted us and she's like okay like everybody said yes pretty much and we're doing it and this is what I'm thinking and she she was working with, uh, I, I don't know who she was working with. She has a couple really talented friends. As it turns out, talented people have talented friends. And so she, her friends put together these amazing graphics. And I was like, this looks so professional. Like this needs to be a thing. And it was really fun. So it was like, she really pulled that off. And, and it was a really cool little thing we did.
0: Very cool, very cool. And yeah. like, it's funny how you have to sort of Frankenstein different tools. Like I know that was on Twitch. And you're talking about it on social media and this and that. So it's like, you really have to like stitch yeah. pieces together to make it all work.
1: It was, it was really cool because they sent us like a bunch of assets, like pictures and videos and stuff to promote it. And they sent it to us with like every single version imaginable. It's like, this is for Twitter. This is for Instagram. This is for Instagram stories. This is for like whatever. And it was like anything that we could have possibly wanted. It was all right there, hand delivered. I was like, this is such a professionally run situation. I love it.
0: That's really, really cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, So going into football itself a little bit, I know that just because of timing alone, football is going to really set the tone for how um, sports are going to go moving forward for however long. What is your take on how the season will go?
1: Yeah, so, uh, man, I I mean, like, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's I think that NFL has the luxury, at least, of having some time right now before anything live has to happen, like in person. Although we're we're starting to get closer to the point where they're going to eventually have to have some type of like on-field situations. Because if they're obviously planning to have the season start on time with fans in the stands. That's sort of what they're saying. Um, But obviously I think we have to be realistic about, you know, how this is going to go because they've been able to, at this point, hold the draft and virtually and and do free agency and go through all that because it, it didn't need to be in person. But I think at least now they're able to watch and see how baseball, if baseball figures it out, like NBA with the bubble system, how these different teams, do it what works what doesn't um but also football had the rosters are huge like so much bigger than the other teams and so i think when when you're talking about like fans in the stands i guess you know there are there are a lot of studies out now with um ventilation is going to be a huge like buzzword and a huge thing so I think that there actually could be a way that they would be able to have like a very limited capacity. I don't know. This is just me thinking. This is just what I could see happening. This is not anything from like the NFL or anything like that. But I think there is a possibility of having like a very reduced number of fans in the stands in open air stadiums because of the ventilation. But who knows? It's like... I know they're going to try and do everything they can to make that happen and start the season on time. But also, you know, it's it's such a physical sport that they're going to have to figure out a way to have some type of training before you go right into the season or guys are going to get really hurt. So I know players are independently working out now and doing everything they can to kind of stay in shape. But I think that's going to be something that's, really hard because not everybody has access to, you know, weights and, and, you know, you think about like professional players. Yes. Like most of the star players have the money to be able to have like amazing gyms at their house or at least access to it. But when you think about a full roster, not all of those guys have that, have that ability. So I don't know, it's gonna be really interesting to see how they, they figure this out.
0: No, not at all. I mean, listen, not everybody's Antonio Brown, okay? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I saw like that one, I saw this one photo where it was actually um, sort of deep in quarantine, so I was surprised to see him with other, um, you know, fr- I don't remember if it was friends of his or whatever, but I was like, yeah, yeah, he would do that. <laughs> he would be like, Full in it, going for it, training, like, the whole nine. Yeah.
1: I've seen some really amazing videos of people trying to mimic, like, uh, treadmills and stuff in their tubs with, like, soap and stuff on the ground, like, just moving their feet. And there's been a lot of really creative ways people are staying in shape.
0: I'm sure. Not doing anything. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure to be really really resourceful I mean think about like a rookie or you know someone who's coming up like yeah. yeah
1: well I think it. I think it's really tough for guys that are like undrafted free agents and stuff too like guys that weren't necessarily on the radar and didn't get a shot in this season I think it's going to be really tough for those guys to be able to ba- break through because there's no real way to show off their their talents right now which I think it's it's rough, yeah, it sort of
0: it really breaks my heart for those guys yes, I know. Um, so just out of curiosity, when do team practices typically start? Well, we would
1: have had like oTAs and stuff already by now, especially for teams that have new head coaches and there would be like rookie mini camps. so we would already have some type of like organized team activities by now so we're already sort of like past that point. I think like everyone, everyone's sort of trying to figure out well, okay, what happens with training camp um because that would typically start uh, at the end of July, and then obviously you would have like preseason and stuff like that in August. but I mean who who knows who knows how this is going to work because like it's like we're all just trying to figure out how to go to the grocery store still. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know, really. And um, I'm assuming there's going to be no Hard Knocks this year, my favorite show. I know. I know. I don't know, though, actually. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe they're going to
1: figure out a way to do it. But it is interesting because they have 32 teams in, in these different places and all of the states have different regulations. The local municipalities have different regulations. So... They can't allow a lot of places to open up in states that are open because they don't want them to have a competitive advantage over teams like, you know, the Jets or something in New York and the Giants. And so that's another thing that's going to kind of hold them back a little bit is having that, like, just equality across the board with everyone competitive wise. Such a good point.
0: Such a good point. I doubt the Titans are in the same boat as the Jets, as you said.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're not letting any coaches or players into the buildings unless players are rehabbing. So they have like they, in states where they've reopened or partially reopened, they're allowing facilities to partially reopen, but only like 50%, I think, of the front office are allowed in. And then they have just like some trainers there for people, for guys that are rehabbing, but they won't let full you know, staffs or players in until everyone is able to do it at the same time.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's only fair. Yeah. That's only fair. Um, Well, who actually are you most excited about seeing this season? My family. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh,
1: they're like, Well, when I got the Thursday night football schedule, I was like, oh my God, this looks like it would be so much fun because I want to go to Vegas. Like, I mean, there are so many things that, things and players that I want to see this year. Finally, Thursday night football is in Philly um, this season, which is home and I've never had a Thursday night game there. So that would have been, uh, or is going to be amazing. Uh, But in terms of players, I'm excited to see. Uh, I really want to see the guys like the the rookie, the second-year wide receivers that popped last year. I want to see um, who can kind of keep it going this year, like A.J. Brown. I talked to him this week, and – I mean, he had over a thousand yards receiving for the Titans last year. He had such a good season. So I am really interested to see him, especially because this year they'll have full stability with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback where last year they had Mariota for a little bit and then they switched over to Tannehill and everything got better. Um, But I also, I'm excited to see what the Chargers have going on. I mean, there's – they're gonna have a uh, new unis, new stadium. They have a new quarterback, although I think they're gonna go with Tyrod. But they have a lot of talent on that team, and they always like Charger us. They always like, for, at least for me, I always get like reeled in every single year, and then I'm like, no, they they did it again. Like how how did this happen? So I feel like I'm gonna say it this year, and I say it everywhere every year. This is the Chargers' year. Talk about being
0: disappointed. I'm from Chicago, okay? Nick Foles, though. Yes, yes, okay. I just don't get my hopes up about any of that stuff anymore. But um, yeah, I'm just like hanging on at the at the bottom here watching The Last Dance. So. Uh, ah,
1: yeah. you know, I, I hate to admit this. I haven't even started it yet because I want to do it. I want to do like a full binge. And like the schedule that I've had has been so crazy. So I'm like... I'm so, so, so excited that I've saved it and I'm going to be able to just, like, run through it.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's a treat. It's a treat, for sure. If you were even alive in that time or even not. It's just... Right. It was a, it's a well-done documentary. Absolutely love it. I'm super biased. Um, but... I'm so excited. I got... I mean, I have to tell you, I guarantee by the end of this, you are going to love Scotty Pittman so oh. much. Oh, no question. He is, like... <laughs> I mean, Jordan. Jordan goes without saying, and he definitely had, like showed himself as a very, I would say, multifaceted person. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, Pippin is just like, love you, man. Uh, so great. It's really fun to watch. Super fun. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of all I've all I've got for you yeah. today. I really just wanted to check in and see how things were going, um, and really take sort of a snapshot of what's happening now because everything is sort of changing with the day and this time next year who even knows well, thank you so much for being here i appreciate it of course
1: it. anytime listen you know where to find me i will be in this house right here
0: <laughs> you can follow colleen on twitter and instagram at colleen wolf next up we've got dr founder of Starter Nurse Academy, and nursing professor at California State University, Fullerton. Hi, Doc.
2: Hi. <laughs> it's good to see you again. It's so good to
0: see you as well. So since you are a leader in the nursing and education space, I'd love to get a sense of how things have changed and where you think that they'll
2: go in the future um things have changed drastically and um i teach at a university right when everything happened we of course had to transition to online classes which you know for a nursing program is not really you know what i mean you don't expect to go to a hands-on nursing school and then end up online. Um, that also cut some of our students clinical hours. So they have to meet a certain number of hours before California will allow them to sit for the boards. And so that kind of shortened up some of their hours. And so what happened was we had like this surge of like anxiety from our students, you know, our emails have like tripled. They are like freaking out and super anxious. And even um, when they aren't clear that they're anxious and they aren't directly articulating that they're anxious. I can tell because I have to repeat instructions um, over and over, I have to clarify small things. Normally they would grasp. Um, so it's been a lot in terms of uh, being faculty and having to sort of manage their anxiety because you know they are really stressed out and they're supposed to be graduating in uh, like next week or another week or two. Um, From the faculty standpoint, we are stressed as well because as we transition to online, as I'm sure it is the case with some of our students, we have kids at home um, and we just don't have that break anymore where we were able to like focus just on work at work or even at home when our kids were at school. Um, The stress of us not knowing and then having to articulate to students, you know what I mean? They're coming to us for answers. We don't know, we're going to the dean for answers. She doesn't know, she's going to the provost, to the president, to the whole CSU chancellor, and no one knows. And at every level, everyone is anxious and looking up to the next person like, well, what do we do? Because we have people under us that are like, well, what do we do? You know. So it's been stressful. Um, In terms of what I think the new normal will look like, um, I think that this whole situation really showed us the flexibility in a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs were like, you know, almost a little hesitant to let people work from home or like, um, the people that were most likely to work from home were like higher level execs and things like that. And um, now we see that a lot of jobs could be done by home. Uh, we see that we can use technology in ways to collaborate and to still meet our goals. And I mean, things still have to keep going, you know, um, and I think that moving forward, no matter what happens, this process push for us to use technology has kind of opened up all of our eyes to the possibilities Um, and i'll give you one quick example i met with my doctoral students on friday and they had an assignment where they had to take a telemedicine certification through University of Penn. So telemedicine is basically like, if I'm a healthcare provider, I'm meeting with you. Okay, Julie, tell me your symptoms. We're meeting right now via Zoom and you tell me, oh, I'm having sinus pressure and I'm having, and I'm like, okay, great. And I'll send your prescription. And it's also for basic things like basic follow-ups. you know, Um, do you really need to come to the doctor's office after you finish that seven day course of antibiotics and you're feeling great now? Do you really need to see me in person for that? Um, and a lot of um, healthcare care providers and patients were very reluctant to do telemedicine and now everyone's kind of been pushed into telemedicine and that has kind of changed the landscape of things. Whereas, um, do we really want to go back to all of these in-person visits? Some of them, not as many as right now, but some of them could be appropriate for telemedicine. Even um, some mental health services now are being provided that way. So I think things are going to change and that we're going to be more readily um, adaptive of technology and ways to collaborate.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are um, a few companies who have done it or have been doing it, like Talkspace, for instance, um, for mental health. And now I feel... um, companies like them will probably thrive, r- thrive, exactly thrive. And then, and they'll sort of be the leaders um, and, and hopefully set the tone. Cause I think they do a really good job thus far. I've, I've heard really good things about them and, and other companies as well. So yeah, the mental health um, landscape is really interesting as well.
2: And I think for businesses in general, if they didn't have an online component prior to this, you know, if they weren't making money online or had like a digital part to their business, um, they're struggling. You know, you, you have to definitely pivot. Um, and I learned, I don't know if I told you that I got accepted into Grid 110's um, like business incubator, business accelerator program um, with um, the LA mayor, it's in conjunction with LA mayor, uh, Eric Garcetti. And it's basically an eight week business intensive um, we meet twice a week as a cohort of 20 of us startup businesses, and we go through different aspects of how to build our business. We learn how to pitch, we get connected with investors, et cetera. And that was like, and so we started April, I can't remember, or March. We start all the days, oh, but we started right when the pandemic hit. It was like the week before. So they were like, oh, we all have to go virtual now because we usually meet up in downtown LA. And that was like lesson one was pivot. You have to know when to pivot in your business. when um, things aren't working or when there's something outside of your control and how to pivot and still be successful. Um, so that has been helpful that just by luck, my whole business is online. Nothing changed in terms of my coaching and the digital e-courses that I offer. Uh, my business actually has been doing better than ever. But I recognize, like you said, that's a privilege um, that not a lot of people have right now.
0: Yeah. Is this for Black on the Job?
2: Uh No, this is for my own business, Start a Nurse Academy. Let me make sure that my... Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There
0: you yeah.
2: go. There you go. This is
0: for
2: my own business, which we provide interview and resume training for new graduate nurses. So we do everything virtually. I have e-courses. I do virtual workshops. I revise resumes and things like that. So we do it all um, remotely anyway. So, and yeah. that... At just to save time. I mean, I can't career coach and do one hour sessions and have to drive to LA to meet for one hour and come back when I just meet with them like this and have clients all over. So, yeah.
0: Wow. That's really good. That's really, really good.
2: Yeah, um, it's really good. How did you find
0: out about this, actually? I, you are one of the most resourceful people I've ever met. Um, So how did how did that come about?
2: Uh Actually, Black on the job. So, so um, Black on the Job is the company that my sister owns. It's kind of similar to my company. They do professional development, interview, and resume training for Blacks. And somebody just posted it. I mean, and I wish I could find the person or go back and find the post. I tried to search it, but um, you had to apply. It was a pretty competitive application process. They said they had like over 200 applicants for only 20 spots, um, and that it was like a 10 or 12% uh, acceptance rate. We had to like pitch. We had to do a video. We had to, you know, write out kind of uh, what traction we've already gained in our in our business already so far, and they're all across all industries, which is great. And we we we've just been meeting via Zoom now, and every week we kind of have a different agenda. We did value proposition, and now we're working on our pitch and working on pivoting and all this other stuff. So it's been amazing because I only really had the expert. Expertise on the topic, but no actual business. Like I'm a nurse. Like, wow, you know what I mean? So nothing I do, I'm thinking profit-driven because I'm taking care of patients. I'm not even thinking about, I know there's like this misconception of like your insurance and your insurance. And I'm like, as a nurse, we don't even know what kind of insurance you have. You know, maybe the providers do, but we don't think money intrinsically for our services. You know, we just get our check at the end. So to think business-minded and marketing and client relations and copywriting um, were things that i definitely needed help with and i'm like a student like i need to learn it in a class you know i, mean, I don't want to just like youtube it so it's been it's been amazing it's an amazing organization oh wow well, we'll have to keep that in mind for our listeners as well oh yes definitely and i have some people there you may want to talk to like mickey reynolds who's the founder would be great
0: oh great okay cool yeah yeah we shall link up um, I actually wanted to know if you know of anyone who has gone back to the bedside after taking time away from from for this time
2: yeah so California ended up having what they call like health court and they had people sign up and they wanted like people who are maybe retired or like I've been away from the bedside now, like maybe two and a half, three years. Um, They were even allowing nursing students to join and volunteer. And so I do know a few people who went back and they took the travel assignments actually in New York, um, right in the epicenter, um, making like 115 an hour. But again, right in the epicenter, they were 21 day assignments and you got four days off in that whole 21 days. So you pretty much work the whole time, um, but you have free boarding, free housing, you know, your flight was free. I think JetBlue was like giving free flights for nurses who were going to do that. Um, and so a lot of them have felt, you know, compelled because as nurses, we are healers, we are fixers. It didn't, you know, it, it was touch and go because of the issue with the lack of protection for the nurses. Mm-hmm particularly early on. And so a big chunk, I was reading, I think about 20% of the cases in certain areas are healthcare providers because they were right at the bedside and were exposed without the right protective equipment. So they they took a risk. Um, There've definitely been nurses that died. Um, there have been healthcare providers that committed suicide just from dealing with the entire stress of the pandemic. And I uh, my brother works and they turned his whole unit into a COVID corner, and so he's probably my closest contact person of how he's dealing with it day to day. And he has four kids at home and a wife who's also a nurse. And so they're both a little like you know they come home and like strip and shower. And you know what else I found interesting is the issue with kids with these healthcare providers because some have chosen have had to make the difficult decision of giving their kids you know to a family member. for the next few weeks. Um, Some have had their kids taken. So maybe they're co-parenting, you know, and the other parent is like, well, I don't want them to be at at your house, Sherika, because you're a nurse and you're working at the hospital. Um, And they remove the kids. And so those people have had to make really difficult decisions. And yes, we are nurses and we're trained for it, but just like a cop, or a firefighter who went through 9-11, like they still have PTSD, you know, they still are mentally exhausted from the whole thing.
0: I think we're absolutely going to see um, the effects of that for for really years to come.
2: Yeah, it's been about a 33% increase in suicides um, since last month. And I think um, what bothers me the most about this whole situation is I feel like mental health was such an afterthought um i feel like it was like let's just close everything down and then you know maybe a week or two later it was like oh we got to have free food for the kids so you know they got that like a week or two later it's like oh well what about rent okay we'll do this oh okay we'll do a stimulus check and then now we're like seven eight weeks in and now you're just starting to see the ads of like being at home is isolating reach out if you need help and it's like um mental health should have been at the forefront and i think it really shows how we how we don't prioritize mental health in this country like for me my mental health is just as important as my physical health so the risk i take going to the grocery store you know to get my groceries to take care of my physical health because i have to eat um is no different than the risk i would take walking in a park you know and maybe passing somebody or hiking or being outside you know and so for me i've had to try to find the balance between I am going to take care of my mental health one way or the other, you know, because it was a time when they were like, well, don't go walk around the corner. And I'm like, I'm walking around the corner. Like, I don't care what you guys say, you know, because I live alone. I mean, I co-parent, but my daughter's not here all the time. So I live completely alone and I'm working completely from home. And I don't think anyone can understand how incredibly isolating that is, unless you're in that situation. I can't imagine if my daughter wasn't here. I mean, I go crazy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I live in a two person household, but I have to say, even having a dog has been helpful.
2: Yeah. So it like really having is. a
0: baby to 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 laugh Talk. with and have fun with and chill yes. out with, like, that's huge.
2: Yes. And when I pick her up and I we drop I'm dropping her back off with her other parent. Uh, and both of us when we see her, like when I drop her off to her other mom, her other mom is like, come back. <laughs> when she gives it to me i'm like yes come back you know because we both live alone so other than the time when our daughter's bouncing back and forth we're alone and she's literally like our entertainment i'm like what are we doing today so it's been that that part has been very helpful
0: that is so sweet she's a very lucky girl oh thank you
2: thank you
0: (laughs) so um we talked about this a little bit, but just just one next question for you. So, how have the have you seen how have the leaders in the nursing profession really responded to the situation here in LA?
2: Um, I think that the leaders have responded in such a strong way in terms of understanding that you know someone has to advocate for nurses, and who better to advocate for nurses than nurses? And so they've really been on the front line in terms of exposing. Um, the shortcomings of some of these healthcare facilities. They have been, you know, on media, on the news, and just really out there on social media, on Twitter, spreading the word about, you know, how how the hospitals, some hospitals, not all. How some hospitals have failed nurses, and what that means for nurses. Um, additionally, I see that the nurse leaders are the ones out there. Like even the faculty that I work with, PhD prepared faculty are the ones that are like volunteering on the front line, doing the testing, doing the triage, doing the follow up, etc. And so I've definitely seen nurse, uh, nursing leadership in that regard. And then also just in the regard of spreading the correct message and spreading you know data informed things you know like this is the correct way to wear your mask and this is the right way to socially distance and uh, i tell my students all the time about the great social responsibility that they have once they have that nurse attached to their name anything i post is scrutinized because i'm a nurse so you know it, it i have to be very mindful of that and make sure that i'm only posting correct data and only spreading you know the correct messages and i think nurses have been definitely critical in that i've also seen a surge in my clients in terms of nurses now who want to go back to school um and nurses who are looking for alternatives beside the bedside because this actually burned them out and left a really bad impression on them which i'm I'm advocating for that as well you know don't come into the you don't want to remain in the profession if you're not still passionate about it and still happy in it. So, you know, it's been mixed, but I think that um, nursing has really stepped up in the last, even just in the last decade, in understanding that we are a huge part of the conversation of healthcare. You can't have this conversation without us.
0: Absolutely, um, appreciate your insight so, so, so much. And um, very happy to have you today.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you.
0: For more information on Starter Nurse Academy, visit starternurseacademy.teachable.com. Now here's our final guest, Adina Rader. Uh, hi, I have, hi. Adina, I have Adina Rader with me I'm back again. So happy to have you here. I'm so and happy to be here. Thank you. I love speaking with you. And I want to get a sense of really how it has been in the retail industry since this pandemic and um, the stay-at-home order has come into effect. So just to start off, what were the first steps that you took when you realized people couldn't shop your pieces in store and and in boutiques anymore?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, after the initial shock, you know, we kind of set a lot of, my team up at home, right? And I brought my entire showroom home into my house. I had my kids setting it up. So that was kind of interesting, you know, making your children your employees. (laughs) They were my assistants. Um, But we were fortunate in several ways. Um, Number one, clearly we have a website and that has continued to really thrive and grow throughout this entire process. Because just like now we're on our Zoom, you know, on our Zoom calls and people want to look great and they want to have their jewelry on and you know you see everything from the waist up and we do affordable fine jewelry that women can you know purchase for themselves so that was a a positive but our stores literally all of them were closed and immediately we moved to support them in any way we can because they are, our, we really see them as our, our partners in this. So we offered drop shipping if they couldn't get into their stores. We offered them services that we never typically provide. Usually you go to a trade show, you place an order, you place reorder. So we were in constant contact with them. I mean, we immediately sent out a mass email to everybody asking them what type of support can we give them. And again, dropship was a big one. We did several, which was super fun, these virtual trunk shows. So I have a store in Ohio that I love and we got on a, an Instagram live and we did an entire virtual trunk show because we could still have, you know, we had a, a very skeleton staff that would go in every day and ship products. So we really moved quickly. I mean, very quickly to give our retailers the support that they needed, including some of our big box retailers too. I mean, we, it allowed them to do dropship as well and open up their product selection. So if they had X amount of SKUs and they wanted to try a few different products, You know, we would look at our inventory and set them up with that as well.
0: Uh, for, people who, for people who aren't in retail, can you
3: explain what a SKU is? Yeah, just it's just style number, right? Okay. Just all different stuff. Oh, numbers. SKU. Yeah, oh. SKU, sorry. You can tell I haven't done this.
0: That's okay. Um, also, we've, I've spoken about this before in a, in a previous episode, but can you also explain what a dropship method is?
3: Dropship means typically we will send um, an entire order to our stores, and then obviously customers come in and they buy it. Now, you can't walk into these stores, which were really, they're pillars of your community, you know, especially those amazing boutiques. You go in there, they know you, they know your size, they can, you know, call your boyfriend, your husband, and they can call you and they get a great product. And now you can't walk into the store. So if a customer sees something on the store's website, we will ship it directly to them. They don't go to the store. So we'll ship kind of one piece at a time to the end customer.
0: Going back to the trunk show that you did, and, and I know your social media has pivoted very yeah. much so um, since this has all began. Have you seen some direct correlation in your own numbers?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what was fascinating to me is I, prior to, you know, COVID, I was managing so many different things. we shipping and production and inventory. And once I was home, I really had the time to think about the brand in a different way and speak directly to our customers and let them into my life. I am a very reluctant, you know, social media influencer. It is not I'm an open person, you can ask me any question you want, I'll tell you the honest truth. But I don't really put it all out there and I had to figure out a way to do that so that we could communicate with our customers and I found that it's people are really responding to it. I mean, I've been able to showcase who we are as a brand, what makes us different, what makes our product special. We just did an entire kind of little story and Instagram post on why I started my business and how I got started and the heritage of the brand. So. I think that our customers have really enjoyed getting to know us on a different level and why we're passionate about what we do, right? I mean, it's why we get up every day. I, I probably said it on the first uh, um, podcast that we did, but, you know, my business is my first born child and I'm able to really show it off right now in a way that I haven't been able to prior because I didn't have the time to do it. So creativity is definitely... Flowing. So,
0: with that, are there any changes that you've made during this time that you think could become a permanent part of your brand?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a few. The first one that we're so excited to launch is um, we're going to start doing online virtual styling sessions. So, if you said, I don't know which earrings I want to get, we will, we have style experts in our office that will sit there with you on camera, you slot in a time, and we're going to help you kind of figure out what your whole ear situation is, how to stack your necklaces and layer them perfectly, what rings you should get and how to wear them on each finger. So that's really fun. And then we'll put together kind of a recommendation for you and a wish list. I mean, maybe you can only afford, you want one pair of earrings now. Okay, but how do you build that essential jewelry kind of toolbox that you'll have forever? And we will work with you to do that. So. That we're very excited about. And on the wholesale side, we're also, just yesterday I had a meeting um, to start to figure out how we're going to set up our virtual kind of showroom, right? And so we're reconfiguring everything so we can do these virtual appointments with our accounts. And that's been super fun. And I think it's needed. I think it was already kind of going in that direction and uh, it just made us do it a little bit quicker and i think they are all of these are are initiatives that will last that will stay and that will grow
0: yeah i mean i think one of those lessons there that i'm hearing is that dif- diversifying your different channels of income and, and how you speak to your customers is really really
3: important yeah and i think that the brands that are authentic win i mean we really are genuine about our passion and what we're doing. And I hope that that comes through. You know, I get questions all the time on Instagram and I'm the one now answering them. Whereas before I didn't have time. And what's amazing is we're seeing, you know, increased sales and we're also seeing increased sales on kind of like some of our heavy chains because even though they're a little bit pricier, piece, there's still. know obviously very competitively priced and it's something that you can wear every day and that you'll have forever so we're really trying to show you how all the pieces work together and I think we're doing it effectively I mean I'm doing little online videos and telling people how to you know what are my favorite earrings and how to wear them what I think are you know the building blocks of your jewelry box and it's just been fun to do because there are things that I know in my head but I've never been able to really put it out there
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the reasons why I love your um, your strategy so much is it's really a lot about women buying things for themselves and, and yeah. for their friends. Um, it's it's just very female focused. So I think that really goes in line with um, something that maybe you have been saving up for, and it's like a yeah. big deal. and you just like a big
3: deal. And you know, listen. Over this entire time in quarantine, it's been you know Mother's Day and you still wanna celebrate those meaningful moments. And then it was graduation. And again, another meaningful moment that really has changed. You cannot celebrate it with you know, your friends and loved ones. And I think that jewelry, unlike any other item in fashion, carries meaning. And it's something that you take with you forever. And it's also something that you can pass down, right? To your daughter, grandchildren, friends, nieces. So um, we've been, very fortunate to see you know kind of an upswing in all of this and i hope that it's because again we've been very honest with our customers and transparent and and again authentically us you know we're really showing who we are
0: i appreciate so much your extremely positive attitude truly it's really i think anyone in retail right now whether you have whether you have a storefront or you're a designer like yourself it's probably been not so easy having this kind of attitude throughout the process and i think you can really
3: see it but uh, listen you know when you i always talk to my husband about this when you watch a movie it's really or anything in life it's always easy to depress right it's harder to be positive right and i always say the essence of our brand is happiness and happiness is not easy right happiness and fun are not the same thing happiness is a choice you have to wake up every day and decide you know what? There's a million reasons to be upset, but fine jewelry at a great price point should make you happy. And when you earn it, that is like the best feeling ever, right? And it's very empowering, as much as I don't love always using that word, but it makes you feel good. You were able to get it for yourself or you got it as a gift for somebody. And those are emotions that are super real. And that's what we want to capitalize on. That's what we're about, right? So I. The one thing that you know in business and life is that there is no constant. You know, the only constant is change, right? And as an entrepreneur, all you get is stuff like thrown at you all day, right? You know, prior to Corona, stores will say, no, I don't want that right now. Or something doesn't do as well as you wanted it to. Or whatever it is, you have to figure out ways to pivot and make it work. That's my job. Every day is to get up and figure out How do I make it work? And if I don't do that, you know, that's when we fall behind. And I love thinking about it, right? It's like the ultimate game, right? It's like, for me, it's fun, as you can tell. I mean, for other people, they might be like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. But, um, you know, clearly... We don't want people to get sick and this virus is terrible and we're doing what we can. But as a business, I have to remain positive and think about the future and think about ways that we have to adapt. And the one positive is that, you know, we're agile. We're a small business. You know, I have an amazing team of people who um, are as passionate as I am about what we do and I'm lucky to have them and I believe that that's what makes this work. I love you. You know, (laughs) I feel the same way about you.
0: Um, So well, with that, have you designed any new pieces or felt particularly inspired since being at home?
3: Oh, I love that question because we are always, pre-corona also, you know, we're always busy figuring out the next trade show and design. And I've really been able to step back. Having my entire collection in my office, not my bathroom which i'm in right now because as i said all my kids are homeschooling in different rooms in the house but it's really allowed me to think and figure out what direction i want to go in so i made some major changes to our holiday and i'm so excited about them and we're already thinking about spring 2021 so i can't tell you how excited i am we're launching this pretty amazing charm program for holiday and The reason why I thought about it was because again, once you're locked up at home, you realize you wanna carry with you some meaning and each charm has that. So whether you have a lot of money to spend or a little money to spend, you can kind of build your own meaningful bracelet, necklace, earrings. You know, I clearly can't wait to share it with everybody, but it's a program that is lasting and um, having the time to really think about it was, pretty exceptional and unusual. I don't always have that much time. So that's another positive I would say, is that I was able to really step back and say, what do I want? What do, what do we all want after being in this crazy you know, quarantine and clearly everything else that's been happening? Um, I think that people are kind of going back to basics, right? What are the things that are important? It's your family and your close friends and you're not running around like you used to. If you have kids, I mean, you know we were running all over soccer and this and school and i think that we're figuring out what what are those key things that are essential in life and uh we want to help you um remember what those things are
0: that's really beautifully said and um i can't thank you enough for being here this is this was, i mean we'll virtually here
3: i love it i hope that very soon we'll be able to meet in person You'll have absolutely. to come to our new virtual showroom and actually see it in person. I would absolutely love to. Yeah, we'll give you an actual in-person, you know, styling session.
0: I'll definitely have a couple of girlfriends who will want to come with me. That's for, for sure. Them. We need to do that. <laughs> we
3: need to do that. I love it. Oh, thanks, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Visit adinarader.com to check out her gorgeous jewelry line and follow on Instagram at adinarader. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode. I hope it's given you some inspiration and education too. I also want to say that it's always been my goal to provide a platform for women to share their stories, ideas, and business goals to inspire others. Diversity is at the heart of LA Women's strategy, but we can always improve on representation. I appreciate all of your submissions for future guests and encourage you to keep spreading the word about LA Woman so we can amplify women's voices, especially black women and women of color. As always, thanks for listening to LA Woman. See ya.